As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day, just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome. Stephen Holder. I'm here with Zach Kiefer. We are back for another episode of 1% Better. We're doing this on a Sunday, early Sunday afternoon after, I don't know, feels like we just left the Colts press box after that 27-17 win over uh, the New England Patriots. That was impressive in a lot of ways. It was also, I think, just I want to start, Zach, from a very, very macro standpoint here. And just talk about this just in terms of the Colts beating the Patriots. Not to get all sort of like fanboy about this, but like this is a big deal. It's a very big deal. I mean, you've been in this town your whole life. I've been here eight years. It's kind of a long time. I've never seen the Colts beat the Patriots. (laughs) So it's kind of a big deal. And I also think like if you've been around town and just even on social media the past week, you could really tell this meant a lot to people. Yeah. It just felt that way. And and I'll just the last thing I'll say is I'll, I I love Quentin Nelson last night saying, you know what? He said what everybody else wouldn't say, which is that, you know what? This was for the guys who played here before because we knew it meant a lot for them. And don't and not shying away from the from the reality and saying, damn it, this is a big game and this does matter more because it's the Patriots. You know what? Why hide from it? It's true. Everybody knows it's true. And I love that. So what was the vibe you got? I, I just think this was just kind of a it was just a remarkable experience, I think, just to see it all play out. It matters. It, it just does. It's not just one game. It's not just the next game. It's the Patriots. It matters. It means more. It's not an accident that the, the game balls the Colts gave away after this win were to Jim Irsay, who's <laughs> who slogged through a lot of those very, very difficult losses, and to the fans, really. I mean, it was like a figurative game ball to the fans who have had to watch eight straight losses over 12 years to the same coach and the same team. And it wasn't just the fact that they beat the Patriots. From my perspective, it was how they beat the Patriots. They weren't out-coached. They weren't out-toughed. They weren't out-played. They did what the Patriots had done to them so many times. And this was interesting late in the press conference last night. You know, Frank Reich, Frank Reich reads our stuff. Sure he does. And I don't know if this is a direct correlation to that, but he said, look, we're going against the best to ever do it. And we coached with them and we schemed with them 
and we played with them tonight. And and he meant in all three phases, special teams, defense, and offense. He was talking about coaching, and that's important because you don't often see a coach get the best of Bill Belichick. And that, I know, you know, the, the Colts didn't run circles around Belichick or anything like that. But I thought it was very telling late in the game. The Patriots knew the Colts wanted to run it. The Colts still ran it. And, and that is very emblematic of where this team's at with one of the best players in football. And that moment right there, Saturday night, have you ever seen, I mean, where does that rank for you in terms of big plays, big moments? Outside of the postseason, it's one of the bigger moments I've covered with this team, and I've been covering them for, for seven, eight years. The 67-yard touchdown run against a 10-man box with so much hanging on the line, that was an MVP-type moment from Jonathan Taylor. It was a surreal moment, no question about it. The, the, the one that it compares to for me in my short stint in this town is uh, Robert Mathis, the sack fumble on Peyton Manning in the end zone. You know, that was a huge game. The roofs open, Sunday night football. That that was a hell of an environment that night. What was that, 2013, I think? So I think the other – you mentioned not postseason, but but I think, you know, if you're talking in recent years, uh, the, the postseason – the only other, I guess, mile post would be that Chiefs come back in the postseason, obviously. Right. And, and the 2013 playoffs. I mean, just delirium in that stadium. Uh, don't don't think I've seen many environments like that. But but yesterday felt a little bit like that, and I, I mean, it didn't feel like a regular season game. That was fun. That is one of those games where look, everybody has bad days on their job, right? Okay, I'm never going to tell you my job sucks because like that sounds ridiculous. You would think I'm a fool, right? But like, there's some days where like, I hate this job. <laughs> okay. I have bad days. And there's days where I'm like, man, I just want a weekend off, you know, whatever it is. Right. And those are the games that keep you coming back and like, and, and realizing, damn it, I'm pretty lucky. You know what I mean? It just, it's just really fun to be a part of that and not in a, a fun in terms of a like fly on the wall sense, you know? And I just, you know, look, I think just really fortunate to have a chance to kind of like, be there for that. Document those. Those are the ones that are that you enjoy the most, and the ones that we sit around and talk about in a bar years from now, or in some airport when we're trying to, you know, slog our way to like you know, freaking Green Bay or Buffalo or something. You know, so um, it was fun, absolutely fun. Now let's get down to the details here. This is this is big though. Now it's not just that it, they beat the Patriots. This this thing matters. The Colts did themselves a huge favor here. Uh, we are recording this right before the one o'clock games start on Sunday, so we don't have any sense of how this is going to go. But I don't think the Colts are going to really take much of a fall today. I don't believe uh, they're sitting in the fifth spot in the AFC right now. They're going to have to really screw this up to not get in. That's yeah, how I see it. That's right where now. they're at, which is crazy because they were zero and three and one and four, and yeah. now they're in a position where they have to screw it up to not be playing in the first round of the playoffs. I think this was the game that was really going to define their playoff situation because this was the one I wasn't sure about. I figured, okay, Arizona, I was like, all right, if you lose at Arizona, no shame in that. They're the, they have the best record in the league. It's on the road, whatever. All right? I, I figured I'm not giving them a W on that one, right? Go show me, prove me wrong, fine, but, but I'm not giving you a W on that one, right? So I figured, okay, if they need to win – two or three, you kind of need to get this Patriots game. And that was the one I was really, I don't want to say worried. It's not a worry. It's more, I was unsure about, it, I guess, is my is my point. And they did it emphatically for the most part for most of that game. And 
So they're in great shape. Um, I think at this point, look, I, I don't think they're going to come back and win the AFC South necessarily. But, I mean, now you're talking about, all right, I mean, can they run the table? I mean, am I crazy? Is that on the table here? What, what do you think? I don't think it's crazy. And, and and I was talking to Robert Mays last night for his show, the football show on The Athletic. And Robert Mays might be the biggest Colts fan out there. He loves what they've done. He's big Colts He fan. loves the way they built this team. And he thinks they're as good as anybody in the AFC right now. And we can get into Carson Wentz and what happened last night and whether he gives you some hesitation. And I think your yeah. story hit on that. But the thing I keep coming back to is, is – Ballard's been building this for this moment for four years. He really has. He he always talks about December and January football. He sold out for the O-line and the D-line. He went all in on a guard at number six, and he paid Ryan Kelly, and he got Eric Fisher, and um, he found guys like Chris Reed and Danny Pinter who need to get shouted out for playing huge roles on this offensive line this season. And I can talk about the defensive line and DeForest Buckner, but teams that can stop the run and run the ball – can be very dangerous in the playoffs. And then when you have a stud like Jonathan Taylor who can get hot and win any game by himself at any moment, and I really believe that, Mm -hmm. that's a scary thing. That's a scary ingredient. If I'm a team in the AFC, the Colts are not the team I want to play right now. There's not a lot of flaws. We can get into those, the pass rush, maybe the secondary, maybe Wentz who makes some dumb decisions sometimes. But this team is very well put together. They're very healthy right now. And the last thing, which is very important, they are very well coached. All three phases. Matt Eberflus is doing such a better job right now than early in the season. Frank Reich is on a heater. I mean, his offense is rolling right now. And Bubba Ventrone deserves a shout out because I don't think anybody, any special teams coordinator out there is doing a better job than Bubba Ventrone. That dude is crushing it. Hmm. And he might even get some head coaching interviews this year. He's been that good. But this is a dangerous team. We'll see how they show against the, the Cardinals on Christmas night. But last night was everything. It was everything, not just for the AFC tiebreaker. It was the mental game, and it was the physical game. They passed both tests. They were up 20-0, to right beat Belichick, and it shows you that this could be fun. If you're a fan, this could be a lot of fun. Think back to September and all those frustrations you had. You know, We're sitting there in interview rooms asking Darius Leonard, like, what the hell is wrong? And he's like, we're going to get this fixed. And we're like, all right, we'll we'll believe it when we see it. We were there in Baltimore when they let a 22-3 to lead evaporate. They're on the brink of a what could be a really fun month. It just really could. And the biggest reason is because they have the best player in football right now. We're reliving 2018. You realize that? Like that's what this is. This is 2018. I mean freaking wild, man. They've won seven to nine. It's crazy. It is crazy. I I've said this on the podcast before. I, I have been doing this job a very long time, covered all kinds of sports. You've covered different sports, different teams, and I don't know if I can top 2018 just in terms of just what a thrill it was to to watch that play out. This is kind of that all over again. <laughs> I mean, they were what, one and four this year? They were one and five that year. I know they're not done yet, and I don't know how far they're going to go. We'll see, but they're just as capable as that team, and probably they're better than that team. They're better. Now, they're not better at quarterback, but overall, the roster's better. And I don't know. I just I, I agree with Robert Mays. I agree with that. I, I think they're a team that can play with anybody. And and look, we can talk about Carson Wentz, as you said, and, and that was not good. That was one of his poorest performances. Like, that's not – he couldn't win them that game last night. But that's the point. 
he didn't have to. Yeah. And I don't think he does. You beat the Patriots with five completions for 57 yards from your quarterback. Think about that. You beat the Patriots by 10. <laughs> yeah. That's what Belichick does to other teams. That's what, yeah, and, and, and we should talk about Carson Wentz and, and the decisions he made, but that's also a really good point, that the fact that they did it with hardly any passing game. Would I like to have seen Carson Wentz play better? Of course. And I, and I think, we'll, as you said, we'll get into this in a little more. I have plans to touch on this in a more specific way. But I think here's the, here's the takeaway, and I wrote about Carson's night, so I have plenty of thoughts on that. But, but here's the bigger takeaway, I think, is they kind of beat the Patriots at their own game. You do realize that, people, right? Like, he, they beat the Patriots at their game. They did to the Patriots what the Patriots did to Buffalo three weeks ago. This is exactly what they did. And, look, they took, you know, you talk about the the, the Colts maybe being taken out of character and, and not being able to throw the ball, even though they certainly are a run-heavy team. But, you know, they became definitely a very one-dimensional team last night, right? That, that is very clear. However, they also took the Patriots – out of character as well. The Patriots, they want to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. What'd they do? They had to throw the ball all over the place last night. 45 attempts from Mac Jones. That is not their game plan. So the Patriots were completely out of sorts. They averaged, on average, 29 rushes per game. They ran it 18 times last night. So that should tell you something. I mean, this is not, and I think that includes a couple runs by Mac Jones, which are not called runs. So this is not, or that was not the blueprint for for New England. <laughs> Not at all. So they took New England completely out of character, which is a good segue to another point I want to make, which is this. Frank Reich, and you were kind of alluded to this already, Frank Reich, I think, demonstrated in that game why his philosophy works. It doesn't mean it's going to work all the time, but here's an example of where it did work. So what happened? I thought in that, that fourth quarter, early fourth quarter sequence, uh, Belichick settles for the field goal. It's fourth and goal from, I think, the six or the seven-yard line. So I am not suggesting like that's some easy conversion. Okay, That's a very difficult conversion. But you're down four, 14, 13, 14. So you're down two scores. You've got about eight, nine minutes to go. It's not like you're, you're dealing with a Colts team that's been you know, just sort of you know, having two-minute possessions all day. <laughs> I mean, even when they don't score, they hold the ball for five or six minutes. So they kick the field goal. Now you're down, what's the score at that point, Zach? I think it was 20, oh, 20 to 10, right? So I just didn't see where that really got them, you know? And so what happens? The Colts come back. They they get a couple first downs. And... And certainly the, the Patriots went on to make the game closer. But but the point is, what did Frank Reich do all night long? Fourth down after fourth down after fourth down. He says, damn it, we're going. And they converted. And they kept the chains moving. They kept possession of the ball. And it allowed them to accomplish their goal, really, which was to just run the clock and get the hell out of there. <laughs> and that's what they did. So, look, we come on this podcast every week and we talk about Frank Reich's decisions. I think... Sometimes we look at them when they don't work is when we talk about them. We don't talk about them when they do work. And I think this was an example of, of them working to a T and, and actually paying very, very big dividends for the Colts. So, you know, did he outcoach Belichick? Eh, I mean, no, that's up to you to decide, the individual. But, I mean, you certainly 
I think, gave Belichick a lot to think about coming out of that game. The Colts went in saying they were going to be aggressive. Frank Reich told us that afterward. And they were true to that. And I think it helped deliver this victory. So do you think that Frank, this emboldens Frank a little more, doesn't it? When it pays off like this, do you think? Yeah, and I, and I go back to Buffalo last year, you know, the fourth down call, and they didn't get yep. it. And, and he had that big, you know, press conference moment where he's like, look, guys, like, I understand the criticism, and that's fair, but this is how I'm going to call games, and this is how I think I need to call games to win a world championship. And that's based on his run with the Philly, with the Eagles. And um, and I thought back to two moments from earlier in this year, right? You go back to Baltimore, your lead is 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 disappearing, and what mm. do they do? They run it on that key third down. They don't get the first down. And then after the game, Frank says, gosh, I wish I would have thrown it, right? So he regrets that one. You go to Tampa after Thanksgiving. And what happens? The 25 straight throws. Ah, I kind of probably should have ran it a couple times, right? So there's regrets early in the season and two of those key losses. And what happens Sunday night, two minutes to go, really the biggest drive of the season. you got to get a first down. New England is absolutely selling out, nine or ten in the box. They know you want to run it. The Colts had run seven consecutive runs for a total of three yards. They were going nowhere. It was Tampa all over again. What did Reich do? He wanted to pass it. He said after the game, look, I wanted to pass it. But he said, you know what? I'm going to give him one more shot. Taylor, I'm going to give him one more shot and go back and watch the play. Quentin Nelson tips off Danny Pinter and says, look, here's where the run blitz is coming from. And this was a hell of a job by Pinter in the middle, Nelson at left guard, and Eric Fisher. They sealed off that left side. That gave... Jonathan Taylor, a hole and a one-on-one against Dante Hightower. And Taylor makes one of the prettiest moves you'll Mm. see a running back make all season. And he didn't just get the first down. He took it to the house. Game, set, match. And it goes back to the coach, right? The coach put the players in the position. He stuck with the run. And I was talking to Robert Mays last night, and, and, and Robert knows football. He watches every game, every week of every team. And he says the Colts have one of the best head coaches in the league right now in terms of offensive scheme and what he's doing. And and you can't overlook the fact that the Colts are averaging 30 points a game since week five, and they put up 27 on the Patriots last night. I mean, the Patriots are by far the best defense in the league. They're only giving up eight points a game in in the last month. So this was tremendous. And if you want a little flair, go back to the first touchdown call. I mean, we should probably talk about that. I mean, the yeah. fact that Frank Reich had the guts to call a run version of the Philly special, and I love that. I think it's called the Pony Package, where they have Hines and Taylor on the field at the same time. I've been talking about it. As well. I love it. <laughs> Man, you get Hines on the perimeter, and he gets in the end zone because of a great block from Taylor. The fact that Reich had the guts to call that in this game, and then after the game say, well, it was appropriate considering who we're playing. <laughs> I mean, that's that's some swagger. Right there. And I think you need some swagger to be a head coach in this league and to coach confidently. And yeah, Wentz did not have a great night. And we're not overlooking that. But the dude had three huge fourth and one conversions. And that's because Frank Reich had the guts to call those. And we love Bob Kravitz, our columnist, but he is an old curmudgeon. And I sit next to Bob during the games. And Bob's like, you got to punt it. You can't go for it here. And I'm like, do you know Frank Reich at all? That dude is always going to go for it. Those calls won the game last night. Those little moments, those fourth and one calls that you talked about, they went three for three in those QB sneaks. Those won the game, among other things. But that kind of play calling, Frank Reich believes, is what's going to win a world championship or at least give you a shot. And I absolutely think, at the very least, the coach went toe-to-toe with the Patriots in coaching last night. And there's not a lot of teams in the league that can say that. 
Yeah, I mean, very well said. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is only going to make Frank Reich more determined to stick to his principles. And you know what? Why should he change? The guy wins. He does win. Okay. We can talk about his overall record being just kind of eh, but the guy wins. And he he puts it in the hands of his players. Yeah. There's something to be said for that. Yeah. And, And I think the players respond. That's the other thing. I mean, if the players don't respond like continually, well, then you got to rethink your strategy. Maybe your team sucks. <laughs> but if you if you give them a chance and they reward you more often than not, then you're doing the right thing. You know, I, I think and I'm probably going to write a story about this in The Athletic this week, not about the Colts, but generally uh, about the league at large. I, I, one of the things that bugs me, I don't get on a soapbox here, but it's my podcast. So screw it. Uh, our right. podcast. <laughs> so but one of the things that bugs me is. I think sometimes, you know, we we spend all this time talking about bad decisions, right? And like Brandon Staley has just been completely, you know, just sort of just completely roasted over the last several days since that Thursday night game. And I think there's room for a lot of criticism, okay? I mean, maybe he went a little crazy on these fourth down attempts. I, I get it, okay? But... We're looking at this all wrong. What we do is we look at it from the standpoint of, well, the decision worked or it didn't work, and we judge accordingly. But that's not how decision-making works. <laughs> that's that's actually a fallacy. That's like, well, if I knew it wasn't going to work, I wouldn't run it. You make the decision based upon what are the possible outcomes. All right, on the one end, you have, all right, let's kick the field goal and maybe it gives us a three-point lead against Patrick Mahomes. On the other end of the spectrum, you have, okay, if we score a touchdown here, we really put the pressure on these guys and maybe we can take this division. Uh, now, I get that they they ran into a brick wall time and time again, I'm talking about the Chargers here. But but again, that's we're looking at it wrong. We're looking at it after the fact, whereas the decisions are made before the fact. So Again, that's an extreme version. I get it. But I also think you have to go into it with the understanding. And, and Frank Wright gets this. It's, it's not about the outcome. It's about, it's about the 
the information you use in making the decision. And Frank Reich, I, I tell you, I mean, I think he gets vindicated much more often than not. And, and we only talk about when the decisions don't work. So I think I just made it a point today to, to bring it up that, hey, against the best coach in the history of the game, he said, we're going to be us. And you know what? And they're sitting here today in a really good spot, largely because of that. And that wasn't the case before mm-hmm. Reich was here. Yeah. The Colts were outcoached. They were intimidated and all of that. And to put a bow on your point, who are the best coaches in football and what do they do? Yeah. You know, 12 years ago, Belichick went for it on fourth and two from his own 38. And he was roasted for it. Yep. And analytically, it was the right decision to make. They didn't convert, but it doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. Andy Reid, John Harbaugh this year saying, Lamar, you want to go for it? They iced the game against the Chiefs, right? That's the new thinking in this league. It is paying off. And I think it's totally fair to criticize them when it doesn't. But I think you're right about the outcome. It's not an outcome-based decision-making process. It's, okay, here's what the best chance is for success. We can live with the alternative if it doesn't work. But absolutely, that played a huge role in the game last night. I mean, look, you could lose either way. So (laughs) you might as well, if you're going to lose, you might as well lose by giving yourself the best chance to win. Isn't that the whole point? So anyway, that's just kind of I mean, if it's a fourth and one, you've got the best left guard in football. Yeah. You know, and you've got a 6'5 athletic quarterback. You know, the chances of converting those is probably 85%. So I got no problem going with those. I don't care where they're at in the field. You you mentioned – the best left guard in football, Quentin Nelson. Did you notice, I think on the last fourth down sneak in particular, there's no question, Wentz, he he doesn't just like throw his body forward. This was very deliberate. If you watch, he saw the crease behind Quentin Nelson. He definitely takes a step to his left and he dives behind Quentin and he gets a surge, as you would expect, and gets the the fourth down. If he doesn't do that, he might not get it. So I got to give Wentz credit there. You know, it's not just like this mindless thing: take the snap and just like close your eyes and dive. That that's not what he was doing there. You know, and these quarterback sneaks actually take a lot more, uh, I guess, diligence from the quarterback than you might think in terms of how they go about it and where they sneak and and all of those things matter like a great deal. You got to get an overall push, obviously, by the offensive line, but there's also some tactics involved with the quarterback. And I got to give Carson Wentz some credit for for executing that because that's important. I mean, if you do it just kind of mindlessly, maybe you don't get that first down and and that's a game changer. So uh, that's plays he made last night. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, So let's talk about Wentz. Uh, the in in sort of the context of this game. And the context, when I say that, what I mean is the Patriots defense. Can we just be honest and say look, that Patriots defense is nasty? Okay. They're freaking good, man. That back end, man. They are nasty. And I went back and looked, and, and, and Tom Brady had a 50% completion percentage, no touchdowns, no interceptions. The Patriots held them to 19 points. The Bucks offense is really good as well. So I think some context is is very much validated. When you're facing mm-hmm. that secondary, not a lot of quarterbacks are going to have good days. Yeah. No, and that's okay. I think so here's the way I see it. Um you know, you had you had a situation here where okay, take the Tampa Bay game, the Colts and Buccaneers. In that game, uh the Colts didn't think they could run. They 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 did try to run. Okay, let's be clear. They did try to run. Uh, they were not having success. In this game, I think there were times where they were not having great success, 
But I felt like there was definitely positive yardage in the running game, much more so than in in the Bucks game. So, you know, while I think there were times in this game where Frank Reich made the determination that, you know what, our passing game is having a hard time tonight and I'm not going to ask them to do anything crazy. I'm not going to ask Carson Wentz to do too much, not because he thinks Carson Wentz sucks, but because the Patriots, they kind of had the upper hand in the passing game last night. There's no question about that. And at the same time, they were having some success in the running game. Because, I I mean, I think there was a lot of feedback from that game. Like, ah, see, this time Frank figured it out. They just stuck with the run. Well, I don't think it's that simple. It's true. There is some truth to that. But it's also the fact that, well, it was working. Okay? It was not working against Tampa Bay. So, certainly not early in the game. I think, go back to the, the first half, really. I mean, the surge that you were seeing from that offensive line, maybe the the runs were only four, five, six yards at times. Only. That's not only. That's like good yardage. But my point is, there weren't huge runs that we've been accustomed to seeing. But those are good runs against the Patriots. That is no question about it. I mean, this offensive line and their performance in the running game of late, I mean, is are they getting better? Because I think at times earlier this season, we wondered if they had kind of lost some of that edge. Don't you think that's a fair point that we wondered that at times and it was fair to ask? Um, yeah. They seem to have really regained that. Yeah, and, and Danny Pinter deserves a shout-out because he's doing mm-hmm. more than just blocking last night. He, he's, he's handling all the blitz pickups and the coverages, and he stepped in for Ryan Kelly, who had to miss the game. And it's really remarkable because – and we were critical of the offensive line early – I thought they deserved it. Eric Fisher was having a slow start. The run game wasn't as dominant as we probably thought. But, you know, we criticized Chris Ballard for that. But you also have to give them credit for this. Chris Reed stepped in when Quentin Nelson was hurt and played really well for a backup guard. That's a great find. And Danny Pinter, the pick out of Ball State a couple of years ago, stepping in the last couple of weeks. Have they missed a beat? I mean, Taylor absolutely torched the Texans a couple of weeks ago before the bye. And then this week, that game ceiling play that was really emblematic of what this team wants to do and what they're about, right? They're about getting the ball to 28 and just seeing what they can do and get that one play to pop. I mean, he had the 80-yard touchdown run earlier this season, the 78-yard touchdown run, the 76-yard catch and run, and then last night, the 67-yard run. But this might sound crazy, and maybe this is a hot take, but I honestly think some of Taylor's best work comes on the carries that should go for no gain or one yard that he turns into five or six. Like there's so many of those every single week. And we've talked this about this a lot because his vision has, has climbed so much since last season. And there was a little, not necessarily a stutter, but when he hit that hole last night on the big play, he just kind of saw Hightower and he set him up. And then he got his weight to the wrong side. Taylor slipped to the right. And once he gets in the open field, he's gone. It doesn't matter who it is. So what a brilliant runner. What incredible vision. The offensive line deserves credit. Chris Strasser, the offensive line coach, Kevin Mawai, the assistant, they're crushing it this year. And, and that's really been the engine behind the Colts, you know, win streak seven of nine so far. But boy, that t- that play, I mean, I don't know about you, but I could feel the tension in that building. I could mm-hmm. feel the tension. The Patriots had scored 20, they scored 17 straight. Mac Jones is good, and he's going to be good for a long time. He had thrown two touchdowns to Hunter Henry. If the Colts don't get that first down and they punt, there's a lot of nervous fans in that building right there. Jonathan Taylor to the house, over. I think in terms of dagger plays and 
regular season history for this team. And I can't think of all of them off the top of my head, but there can't be many that rank higher than that play. I think for the reasons you outlined, it's like, okay, the mystique of the Patriots, there's no question. Yeah. It's a real thing. And the the history with that team, and that that to me was really, I think, the most amazing part about that play. It was also amazing for the reasons you outlined, which is the, the way it actually unfolded, the actual run itself. There's no question. I mean, they've got nine, ten men, really, at the line of scrimmage. And Taylor's got a big hole, but there's two defenders in that hole. <laughs> and, and and Hightower is really good. Hightower's and the really Patriots good. tackle. They tackle well. They're fundamentally sound. Like, Yeah. No, I mean, there was I, – I did not think he'd get through there. And really, he just made – he just made Hightower sort of overcommit. And and frankly, yeah, he just was able to bounce through there and, and get going. And so I, I really think that, going back to my original point, uh, I just think the dagger play, but really the offensive line, I think, enabled that largely, and then Taylor did the rest. Um, but this offensive line, the demeanor they're playing with, I think they have really – because I think they are re- – what they do is so much – based on attitude, you know, and, and demeanor. And they are back to that. They're back to that. There's no question. Like that was the unit I saw go to Kansas city and win two years ago. That was that unit. It felt like that again. It it felt like, listen to what Danny Pinter said. mm -hmm. You know, I asked him about it and you hadn't gotten anywhere one yard, one yard. And he said, we were just going to keep pounding and we were going to break their will. And just to add in one last thing on Jonathan Taylor, we should put this in perspective this dude's on pace for 1,850 yards. He's on pace for 19 touchdowns. He's got 11 straight games with a rushing touchdown, which is the fourth longest streak in NFL history. That's pretty incredible. In his last five games, he's got almost 700 yards and nine touchdowns. That's almost, I mean, it's basically 150 a game and two touchdowns. It's yeah. an average. And two of those defenses are the Patriots, which is the number one defense in the league last night. And then a couple of weeks ago, Tampa Bay, which is the number one run defense. So he's not playing... Uh, joke teams every week. In uh, he leads the league in carries. He's got 270. He's averaging 5.6 per carry with the most carries in football. So a special season. And like you said, you're totally right. It's about the aggressive uh, nature of the offensive line getting back to their identity, and that's something that's going to travel in the postseason. I really believe that. Yeah, no, you gotta love it. It's no question about it. Uh, I just want to give a quick, uh, I guess, a couple quick shout outs on defense. Uh, look, I, I think in the second half, they had some plays that they would probably want back. And some also the result of some really, I think, really, really precise and accurate throws by Mac Jones. So I got to give him credit too. But on the other hand, a couple guys I want to shout out DeForest Buckner, okay. I think was a big factor last night. Patriots couldn't really run the football. He's certainly a, a factor there. And then he had a huge sack on the third down. He he blitzes, or excuse me, he rushes, excuse me, off the, the right edge, uh, has an inside move, and just kills the offensive tackle. Like, destroys He embarrassed him. Isaiah Wynn. DeForest Buckner, like a defensive end. I, I loved it. I kind of like it, man. And And – that's at least his second sack from the defensive end spot this year. He had one against Jimmy Garoppolo, too. So, I don't know. There might be something there. I wish I, I kind of wish they'd do it more. I want to see more of it. The other guy, there's actually a few other guys, but one other guy to shout out is Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard, 
I, the bye week did hit this guy some good. There's no question about it. He was definitely, I think, playing with a little more of a bounce last night. I mean, he's been playing better overall lately, but he definitely, I, I think, had a little more spring in his step last night. You could tell he's a little more rested. I thought the interception off of Mac Jones early in the game, that was a brilliant play. He baits him, and Darius said this after the game. He baited him, and and that's what you're trying to do with a rookie quarterback. You're trying to fool him. The Colts are doing a whole lot of pre-snap movement on defense, and it doesn't always pay off, uh, but that's an instance there where it really made a big difference, and I think Mac Jones was seeing a lot of ghosts there and a lot of different things and maybe didn't know what he was quite looking at. So Darius with a really successful effort there. And then uh, I would also say um, uh, Bobby Okereke, actually, I was going to say, that was an incredible interception uh, where he makes a break on that ball like like he's Deion Sanders, okay? <laughs> I mean, that was incredible for a linebacker. He said after the game he's never had an interception like that in his life. I That doesn't surprise me. I mean, that is a play that cornerbacks make. Uh, it's funny because I kind of thought he'd make more plays kind of like that because he's a really good athlete, and we saw this in training camp. But he hasn't played with the kind of anticipation I hoped he would. But that was an instance of him doing that, and maybe he should take more chances because he is an incredible athlete. And I think if he if he has the kind of instincts that that hopefully he does, he can make more plays like that. So we'll see what happens. But but that was a play that I think they were hopeful. Okereke, I'll get it right one day, uh, will, was going to make more of and maybe can continue to do that. So uh, we, look, should, we should probably hit on Leonard a little bit more. I mean, it's it's absurd what this guy's doing. Like with the bum ankle early, he's got 11 of the team's 31 takeaways right now, right? He's got five forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, and he's got three interceptions. And you mentioned the interception last night, which was – I mean, this dude's a lot smarter. Like, he doesn't get a lot of credit for how smart he is, but he watches all the film every week. And just as impressive for me was earlier in the game when he read Mac Jones and he was going to do a run and he slipped through the line and he made the tackle for loss on a key third down. It was such a Darius Leonard play. He's playing at such a high level. I don't know if he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year, but his name deserves to be in the combination. I don't watch every team every week, but I watch this team every week. And I can't think of a defensive player from the linebacker position. And Micah Parsons is really good. I can't think of one that makes more game-changing plays more consistently than 53. He, I mean, he's doing this against the Patriots, right? The team that always has the guy who's doing it on the other end. Um, $100 million contract worth every single dollar this year. I don't know where this team would be without 53. But he is playing. I think this is his best season. And that's crazy because he led the league in tackles as a rookie. Yeah, the the formula – well, let me rephrase that. The takeaways are such a big part of the formula at this point that I think we can not overestimate their value. You know what I mean? Because where are they if they have half the number of turnovers they have? They're not the same team, and they have fewer no. wins most likely. You know, So the turnovers – it's not like they're sort of this middle-of-the-pack team with turnovers where – you know, then the impact of those turnovers is is definitely much less pronounced, right? This is different. This team, the turnovers, like, that's built into the cake. They have to have that because that's part of the reason they are where they are. And I keep waiting for it to run out. And what I've learned over time is that, you know, they it's not 
running out. That's what they do. You know, I think turnovers over the years uh, have been kind of proven to be a product sometimes of like who you play, uh, court, the quality of the quarterbacks, um, you know, sometimes luck, honestly. And, and so turnover numbers can kind of spike and fall from year to year. But this team, this is not a, a coincidence. This is what they do. They take the football away. And you can cry about, ah, they give up too many easy completions. And they do. There's all that stuff, right? But it is more than, I think, um, balanced out by the number of takeaways they have. You know what I mean? So, yeah, cry all day about the easy completions. And they got to work on that, granted. But at the end of the day, if you're taking the ball away, it's at minimum a wash. And I think for them, it's a win. They, they more than make up for that with the turnovers they have consistently, game after game after game. So, and by the way, he had another forced fumble that, that the Patriots end up recovering. <laughs> so he almost right. had another one. Okay. Right. So, man. So the, ball, the, the moral of the story is if you have the football, get the hell away from Darius Leonard because you probably won't have it for long. So, fun team. That's all I can say. Fun team. Um, we're heading out to Arizona on Christmas uh, next week, Zach. So that'll be fun. Uh, we're real popular in our households right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the key is, though, Zach, particularly in your case with little ones, is you keep them occupied with the gifts. They won't even know you're gone. You know. So yeah, we have to move up Christmas and celebrate a day early, which is also my daughter's birthday. But. There you um, go. It's going to be another fun one. I mean, they they, yeah. they beat the the number one seed in the AFC. Now they're going to go try and beat the number one seed in the NFC if the if the Cardinals indeed remain that. Now they're playing the Lions right now, so they most <laughs> likely will. Right. I think the Patriots are better than the Cardinals. Now I definitely haven't watched the Cardinals a lot this year because of the you know West Coast. I'm usually working on Sundays, but um, Colts are scary, and 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 it's going to be a fun couple of weeks, and it's going to be a fun January. I love covering playoff football. It's my favorite thing to do. We'll see if they do indeed punch their ticket, but uh, we're watching something pretty special right now unfold, especially with number 28 and what he's doing. And I think on a national stage last night, you know, how I will remember that game next year in a couple of years is, is that 67 yard, uh, basically a walk-off touchdown. Yeah. And in a tight game with a lot of people in that stadium, really nervous. Is Belichick going to do it again? Are they going to fold again? The Colts have blown some leads this year. Taylor ended it, and it was a signature moment, and we'll see where it springboards them from here. But, man, this has been a fun season to cover. I will say that. Yeah, uh, people are going to be sitting in a bar 10 years from now talking about that play. I think it's that. I mean, we're still, you know, you're talking about the fourth and two play 10 years, 12 years later, right? That's the fun part about football. And Jonathan Taylor, man, it's just, you know, he, he was asked last night about, do you think you're the MVP? He shrugged it off. Quentin Nelson was asked, I don't know. Darius Leonard was asked, absolutely he's the MVP. <laughs> Nobody is doing what this guy's doing. I think Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, one of those guys will probably win it because they're quarterbacks and they've been terrific. But nobody has meant more to their team over the last 12 games than Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I don't think any single player, or at least you'd be hard-pressed to find one, a single player who like embodies their team and what they're about and what they do more than Jonathan Taylor. The only other guy on this team, I think, that that might is Quentin Nelson. <laughs> and I think they kind of play off each other, obviously. You know, so uh, their their identity is pretty clear and pretty strong. And Jonathan Taylor, 
I just think fits it remarkably well. So it, it's just a, it's a beautiful thing to watch. It's fun, and uh, you know I'm fine with it. I'm here for it, man. So let's see what happens. Uh, we have lots of coverage coming this week. Um, the holidays don't stop the show, so we'll see what happens. Uh, there's going to be plenty to talk about, both looking behind and looking ahead. Uh, but a big few weeks for the Colts coming up. We'll be here for all of it. We thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And we'll be back with another episode next week of 1% Better. Thank you.